Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to a Week 18 losing edition of Believe in 49ers presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I am your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III. That is triple I for the third. And you can also catch all of my written work about the 49ers via USA Today's Niners Wire. And that is going to do it, folks. The regular season is officially over. To wrap up the 2023-24, is that how you say it? Season always get a little bit confused because, you know, they say the champ is the 2023 Super Bowl champ. I don't know. Not a math guy. But anyways, the 49ers dropped a meaningless Week 18 game to the Los Angeles Rams at home on Sunday. Well, maybe... Not too meaningless. It snapped a nine-game regular season win streak over the Rams and a 12-game regular season win streak over NFC West opponents. But in terms of this season and the postseason, it was meaningless. And today on the pod, we're going to talk about it, but just a little bit, because let's be honest, that game did not hold a lot of weight, but there are still a few things to mention. And it is just wild to me that the regular season is already over. It feels like we're just arguing about Trey Lance versus Brock Purdy versus Sam Darnold. Mentioning it, mentioning it now as we're recording, that conversation seems like a lifetime ago. But, you know, anyways, the regular season just kind of zoomed by. And I personally, I'm going to miss football Sundays. There's something special about it. The food. The gambling, the friends, the fantasy football, screaming at the TV over Jets versus Commanders, something we'd actually absolutely pray to get back in a few months, pay to watch some live football. But as for now, it is over, and it's truly the best time of the year. It hurts to say that. I'm sad saying this to you right now. There is just nothing like it. But however, we do get to move on to the playoffs. And another thing with the regular season, you know, coming to an end, it just kind of means you'll have to pay more attention to the Golden State Warriors. And yikes, absolutely yikes. Another rough loss to the Toronto Raptors on Sunday night. Double losses this weekend for the 49ers and the Warriors going down on the same day. And to be honest, I think that's the first time that has happened this season on the same day. I cover both teams and have had a couple double days where I've had to work. Yeah, it might be the first time all season that both those teams have lost in the same day. Got to have some of our stat checker for the, the official stat checker of the pod double check that. We don't have one of those. So anyways, we're just going to th- say it's true. But, I mean, did we just get a look at future warrior Pascal Siakam tonight? Do the Warriors need to make a trade, or is this roster so cooked that a trade doesn't even move the needle? Could the Warriors be sellers? I might just agree with the latter. We could talk about Warriors hoops all day, but let's reroute back to football. Before we get to postseason football, we're going to talk about Week 18 against the Rams, along with previewing the College Football National Championship. And if you listen to the pod, you know I'm a UW guy, so I'll be very, very 
ramped up for Monday night. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of the players to watch that could maybe be on the 49ers radar when the NFL draft rolls around. And lastly, we'll wrap up the podcast with what to watch for next weekend when the wild card weekend is underway and the 49ers are enjoying that first round bye. But before we dig into week 18, let's hear from our friends over at Bet Online. With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get the believe to get the action. Head there today to get the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I messed up. All season long I've I've been surprised with myself about how in my opinion, relatively clean I've done on the ad reads from our friends with Bet Online. And that was the first one I kind of goofed. I, I misread the little line there, but it all turned out okay. I think it was pretty solid. I'll give myself a B minus. But speaking of Bet Online, I'm gonna go to review reveal, <coughs> excuse me, my betting slip from Monday night's college football championship game. But before we get on to all that. Let's get down to business. Let's talk about why we're here. Week 18 against the Rams, the final regular season game of the year. A lot of the 49ers were basically resting, including Brock Purdy, Dre Greenlaw, and George Kittle kind of suited up in the warmups and then ended up not playing in the game. Um, some players suited up and then were out of the game by the second half, like you know Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Um, despite most of the backups playing, I thought the 49ers, although they lost, played overall pretty well. And starting with that is the coaching. I thought both sides of the football looked pretty solid with a lot of backups out there. It wasn't ultra sloppy, you know, and especially the offensive game plan. I thought it was simple enough to kind of limit mistakes, but also open enough to let Sam Darnold show his skill set and basically audition for any other team that could use a quarterback in the future, in my opinion. I think the 49ers, you know, might need to start surveying the backup quarterback market because Sam Darnold looked good enough, in my opinion, to get a call to go compete for a starting role somewhere. I mean, you don't think you don't think he's better than Trevor Simeon or some of the guys that were rolled out there this week? that are on rosters, obviously backups that were flushed into the starting role. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Sam Barnard on a one-year deal goes out there and gets a call from another team to go compete for that starting job, you know. And it showed a little bit on Sunday, you know, you know although the offensive line wasn't fully together and most of the 49ers star offensive playmakers, you know, were were out. And that hurt with some drops we saw. You know, Darnold performed well. He, he threw for 189 yards and a touchdown. He also punched in a short rushing touchdown at the goal line. He did make a big mistake with the fumble on the final drive of the game to kind of take the 
you know, 49ers crack at winning that thing at the end away. But overall, he looked calm and smooth, and he had control of Kyle Shanahan's system, which is obviously a very popular system around the NFL today, and something that he might be able to, you know, put on his resume that he can do and move on to another, you know, another team as a potential starter, maybe. Um, I thought he looked, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. Like I said, I mean, I thought the touchdown throw, even though it was short, he showed off the arm talent and really fired that football into uh, Ronnie Bell for a touchdown, uh, fit that thing into a tight window, made some good throws. It's not like he really stretched the field and like the 49ers didn't really, you know, need to give him that opportunity. But, you know, overall it was smooth and calm and kind of what you'd expect out of a competent backup quarterback. Um, you know, more positive some for Sunday, in my opinion, were headlined by some young defensive players that we haven't really heard their name up until week 18 with the created opportunity from some of, you know, the, the whether it be injuries or some guys resting. And that, in my opinion, kind of starts with safety. Taylor Hawkins over giving out game balls. He's a guy that would get one, in my opinion. You know, the San Diego State product spent the last two seasons on the practice squad before making his season debut on Sunday against the Rams. And the young safety balled out. I mean, he made an impression. He was all over the field, pass breakups, tackles, and most importantly, a highlight reel interception. Hawkins fully extended on a tip pass to pick off Carson wins for his first career interception in his debut. I'm not saying this guy needs to, you know, be rushed into the starting lineup or even needs to be playing double digit plays on the defense, but I mean, he looked good enough to get a shot, right? I mean, he looked good enough to stick around. I mean, can he play special teams? Things like that. I mean, he I, I thought with the opportunity presented, he did the most with it. He's the guy that I come away with remembering his name like this guy can play this guy deserves to stick around on you know a roster somewhere hopefully with the 49ers and you know while Hawkins recorded his first interception a player that I was excited about when the 49ers penciled him in on draft day rookie Robert Beal Jr. he notched his first sack I've been excited about seeing Beal since he was you know the 49 one of the 49ers fifth round draft picks this past season ultra productive at in the SEC at Georgia he was, you know, able to pick up a relatively easy sack on Wentz on a Wentz play action. Wentz kind of ran right into him on a little bootleg rollout. But I mean, I think this is a guy that the 49ers could potentially develop. And as we've seen, obviously with the addition prior to the addition of Chase Young, even with him in the rotation, the 49ers have flushed a lot of different guys in and out of that spot opposite of Nick Bosa. And I think Beal is a guy that they'd hope to develop into a, you know a player that can get some snaps as a pass rusher as a guy that can put some pressure on the edge and I think if, as this guy develops it's going to take some time because he is a little bit raw and he's only played three games this season was limited due to an injury early all the way back into training camp um but I mean as he continues to develop I think the 49ers could have something there I I love these guys that come from you know, proven programs. I know it's, you know, it's a big thing in the scouting community to, you know, scout the player, not the helmet, but there is just something proven about if you're on the Georgia team over these last couple of years, 
you might be successful at the next level and with Robert Beal he's obviously part of that program um, a guy that you know I was hoping to see something out of in a game like this and and he showed up he showed up on Sunday against the Rams and you know moving on to the offensive side of the ball I you know I want to talk about the backfield because I think heading into the season I thought the 49ers backfield might be one of the best in the NFL and that's even you know behind Christian McCaffrey kind of eliminate his name because we know how good he is but you know if you started listening to the podcast when I came aboard the Believe Network and we started talking about things in training camp or what we wanted to see and even throughout the season a player that I banged the table for was Elijah Mitchell I'm a big fan of him you know I think throughout the year Kyle Shanahan could have utilized him to take some pressure off McCaffrey obviously he's been injured he's been banged up Jordan Mason has looked good at times but now with no McCaffrey you got to see kind of a full dose of Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason I thought they looked good I thought they looked good, and Elijah Mitchell punched in a touchdown, kind of looked like a carbon copy clone of McCaffrey. First drive of the game, I think that's the 49ers' 10th game this season where they've scored on the opening drive. That leads the NFL. It looked very, very similar to a Brock Purdy-led drive. Sam Darnold was 5-for-5, and then Elijah Mitchell punches in a one-yard touchdown and gets the 49ers on the board first. It was very reminiscent of just a full... um, you know, a fully stocked offensive group for the 49ers. And I thought, you know, Elijah Mitchell looked well. And I think, you know, in the past, we've been so used to Shanahan kind of shuffling through running backs, whether it's, uh, you know, Raheem Moster, Jeff Wilson Jr., Matt Breida, um, you know, sticking with fresh legs. I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody from that group. Somebody's yelling it at me somewhere. But, you know, I know Christian McCaffrey is a higher caliber player than those guys I just mentioned. But, you know, having a stable of talented, competent running backs you can rely on in the postseason just provides an added layer when you're a team that's pushing all their chips in. Any kind of... Uh, you know, chess move that Kyle Shanahan or any type of ace Kyle Shanahan has in his back pocket when it comes to the postseason in these super high-pressure games could potentially be used. And I think seeing a little bit of positivity from both of those guys, I don't, I'm not advocating for them to be worked into the game plan in the postseason, but just having those type of guys in your back pocket I think only helps in games that are going to, you know, where it's going to be all hands on deck. Um, and now kind of zooming through week 18 against the Rams, there was, in my opinion, a negative, how big of a negative that's for you to decide. But I think that's Jake Moody. Um, I believe all good teams who are successful in the postseason, one of the factors that is kind of an afterthought because it's so, um, you know, far gone is having a confident hot kicker come in at the right time that you can feel ultra ultra confident in and you know Jake Moody has been solid in his rookie campaign um there has been so much expectations because of his draft position and that's going to happen when you take a kicker like that so some of you out there might be absolutely underwhelmed by him 
but you know he did miss his first field goal inside 40 yards on Sunday against the Rams, and it did hurt them because obviously they lost by what one point. Um, you know, then thinking back to some of his other misses, you think about the Cleveland game. Uh, where he had pressure on him at the end of the game, potential game winner. And I think that miss against the Rams just kind of highlights, if you were to put a question mark, let's just take away things like injuries and stuff like that. If you were to put a question mark on one, you know, facet of the San Francisco 49ers heading into the postseason, you'd go offense, check, defense, check, special teams and kicking, especially after that miss, it just kind of adds, I think, a bit of pressure, question marks, whatever you want to call it, sensitivity around that specific option. Who knows? He goes out there and the divisional round, rifles up a few kicks. We're laughing about this conversation. But if there was something to pick out that stands out negatively, it was that miss kick from Jake Moody on Sunday against the Rams. But again, there were some highlights. Good to see some young players play well. Shout out to Sam Darnold. Uh, hopefully getting an audition as to, you know, maybe be the guy somewhere. And then, um, like we talked about, the guys in the backfield. Um, and no, obviously, Clellan Farrell got injured in the game. Uh, still kind of waiting to see how serious of that is. Um, but overall, you know, nothing too crazy in week 18. Um, you know, speaking of Clellan Farrell, I thought he's been you know very good very solid for the 49ers this year three and a half sacks started every single game an absence for him will be not good for the 49ers because we have seen guys fluctuate in and out whether when it comes to consistency on the opposite end of Nick Bosa you're going to need a guy like Chase Young to play more snaps and you know step up and in a big way with if Farrell can't go in the divisional round, but hopefully he's going to have a week and he's going to be, you know, back out there. I'm not exactly sure what the injury diagnosis. I believe Kyle Shanahan said after the game that uh, he avoided like an ACL or MCL injury. Um, so that is a positive, but we will be waiting till likely Monday to kind of hear the full result and extent of those injuries. Um, cause I think that was kind of the major headliner in this one. Like nobody get hurt obviously because there's just bigger things to play for at this point, but that is going to do it for us on week 18. Um, we are not done yet though on believe in 49ers. Let's look ahead to the playoffs and talk about, you know, what to watch. I'll give you guys some of my opinions on the postseason and maybe even look at who the 49ers could play in the divisional round. Cause we have a little bit of you know, insight on what could potentially happen and looking at the playoffs. I like the matchups. I mean, I think, I think some of these games are awesome. I cannot wait to sit around, do nothing next weekend, watch these games and thinking wings. Is it a, is it a wild card wing wins? I said wing Wednesday. Is it a wild card wing weekend? Is it wings? I think we have to go wings. I'm most excited for that Finns versus Chiefs game, probably. We saw it earlier in the season in Germany. Um, let's see if our old friend Mike McDaniel has any juice against Pat Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift. You know, I think the Bills could be on upset watch with the Steelers. 
I just don't like to count out Mike Tomlin in these situations. We don't know. It doesn't sound like TJ Watt's going to be available, which obviously is a big hit. The Bills are coming off a big win against the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. I just know this sounds might sound a little bit crazy, but Josh Allen just makes so many brutal mistakes. Interceptions, turnovers, just silly passes. Um, and I just don't have a ton of faith in the Bills. I think they are more of that team that we saw earlier in the year that they're not the bills of the past i think they're more like this team we saw earlier in the season because even against the dolphins i mean they gave them every chance to win and Tua and the dolphins just couldn't do it i mean against a you know a competent team you know that Tua isn't throwing interceptions i think the Bills might get blown out. You can't turn the ball over that many times, especially in the red zone. So I don't have a ton of faith in the Bills in the postseason. Um, I'll be super locked in on Lions versus Rams. Uh, the Stafford return to Detroit is almost you know too good of a story to be true. Um, and lastly, I'm really interested in some of these young quarterbacks in their first playoff appearances. Jordan Love against the Cowboys, CJ Stroud against Old Man Flacco and the Cleveland Browns, a great defense. You know, I think there are a lot of intriguing matchups next week with the postseason. The only real snoozer is Monday Night Football with the Bucks and the Eagles. Um, but, you know, we'll still be watching because of playoff football, of course. Um, and, you know, now for the 49ers, it still is unclear on who they will play. They have a bevy of different options at this point. Um, including, you know, the Bucks, Eagles, Rams, Packers. Those are all on the table. I think the two teams that absolutely can't play is the Lions and the Cowboys. Um, you know, if the Packers beat the Cowboys, then that matchup is locked up. The 49ers will automatically play the Packers if they win in the next round. The Cheeseheads will be coming to Santa Clara. Very, very typical, it feels like. On the 49ers playoff story, they have to go through the Packers at some point. But say the Cowboys win, then I believe it moves on to the Rams if the Cowboys win and the Rams beat the Lions. And then it will move to the Eagles if the Eagles beat the Bucks, the Lions beat the Rams, and the Cowboys beat the Packers. And Then if, the, if all the home teams win, the 49ers will host the Bucks. I believe so very confusing I don't know how if I explain that poorly I mean I would say in terms of like matchups at this point it seems like it's easy to kind of shift towards the Eagles being the matchup that scares you the most because there's obviously history there you look at the rosters up and down and you say the Eagles are probably the most talented team out of that group but I mean I do feel like momentum plays such a factor in the postseason. And the Eagles, you know, they have to be one of the coldest teams heading into the postseason. Up there with the Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, teams that you wouldn't want to be going into the postseason. And it screams the Eagles. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, Hurts, they might be banged up. Their offense just looks like a different team at the end of the season. Basically, since playing the 49ers, they just look like a different, different unit. And it's like the team, in my opinion, that I'd probably want to see least is the Rams, to be honest. And I know, obviously, the 49ers have had a lot of success against 
Sean McVay and the Rams, but I just coaching plays such a big factor. Sean McVay can do his thing. Matt Stafford, very, very proven quarterback, playing really good football this season. And then just playing a divisional team, playing a team three times, things can always get wonky. It's just hard to game plan against a team multiple times. Not ultra worried about the Packers. They're super young. The defense has a lot of question marks. But, you know, shout out to Jordan Love for leading this, the youngest team. I think they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL into the playoffs, the youngest team in the postseason. I thought they would be terrible this year, and here they are in the postseason again. And congrats to Matt LaFleur and the and the Packers and Jordan Love because I do think that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. So a lot to watch for, a lot of different things to keep an eye on. If the Packers win, that is going to be the matchup. That's the kind of most simple route but obviously a lot of other things have to happen for you know the eagles or uh, rams to appear in santa clara in the divisional round of the postseason um and you know with that that is going to wrap up week 18 for us here on believe in 49ers and along with the postseason round one wild card weekend preview and that leaves us only one thing left to talk about, and that is the college football national championship, the Natty. And boy, it is a big one. Honestly, I cannot wait for this game. I, I, I can't. You know, I thought the first round of the college football playoffs, hopefully this isn't confusing, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, were absolutely fire from start to finish. Both teams' games came down to the wire, and they were truly, shout out to the playoff committee, they were truly, I know it was a tough decision leaving Florida State out, leaving Georgia out, but you know the committee truly put together the best four teams to watch against each other. And now, in my opinion, the top two teams in college footballs will meet the best defense in the country versus one of the best defenses in the country, maybe the two best coaches right now in the nation. So let's talk about it. Talk about some of the players and maybe even a player or two who would end up on the 49ers roster in the NFL draft. We've talked about Washington a lot this year on the pod. Obviously, like I said, I'm a Washington fan. We love Pac-12 over here. The final season of the Pac-12, we back the pack on Believe in 49ers. So obviously, we will be leaning towards UW. But it's hard not to because starting with Michael Penix Jr., um, you know, I think he was the darling of the first round of the playoffs in the Sugar Bowl. He looked like Superman against the Longhorns. A great story starting in Indiana ton of injuries, transfers to the Pac-12, hits the portal, lands with Washington, and now he's lost only one game in two seasons. You know, he's got maybe the most armed talent in the NFL draft, just absolutely rifles the football around the yard, gunshots, hash to hash, really quick decision maker too. I thought at times, you know, maybe he's a bit too, you know, statuesque in the pocket for the NFL, but in that game against the Texas Longhorns, he weaved all over the field and, you know, including a couple runs. And I think him against JJ McCarthy makes, you know, kind of the perfect star studded matchup between quarterbacks, you know, two guys who will likely get a crack at leading teams on Sunday. 
between Penix and McCarthy. Both are going to have the chance to surge up draft boards with impressive performances on Monday. You know, while the Washington quarterback is making headlines, getting the Heisman love, finishing second in the Heisman Trophy behind Jaden McDaniels, McCarthy is reportedly very well liked amongst NFL circles and, you know, will likely hear his name called relatively early on draft day too. I think him and Blake Corum is a nasty Nasty backfield, maybe the best quarterback running back punch in college football. They're going to absolutely pressure Washington's defense up the gut and could potentially kind of try to control this game by not letting that Washington offense get on the field. McCarthy and Quorum will likely try to play keep away from, you know, the high powered Huskies offense. And that high powered Huskies offense. As good as the quarterback has been, it won't come as such as a, so much of a surprise, but the playmakers on the Washington side of the football, especially the wide receivers, are absolutely worthy of a mention. Roma Dunze is one of the best players in the draft. Not best re- receiver, best players in the draft. I will be shocked if he is not a super productive, very talented wide receiver at the next level. I mean, this guy does everything. Speed, goes up and gets the football, uh, ball control. It's just hands absolutely does it all in terms of wide receiver. I think the gap, you should be familiar with the name Marvin Harrison Jr., likely the number one wide receiver off the board. I think the gap between him and Malik Neighbors out of LSU and Adunze out of Washington are very, very close. I mean, three very, very high caliber players. The the wide receiver group in not only college football, but just the NFL, it's so, so, so beyond talented. And it's just only going to be adding with guys like this coming through the draft. I mean, I think Adunze likely goes off the board in the top 15, maybe the top 10. I mean, but the UW dynamic pass catchers don't stop with him. Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk deserve a seat at the table. McMillan just reminds me of a guy Kyle Shanahan could like enough to kind of send a draft card in with his name on it. Works underneath really well. Has been kind of the consistent underneath guy for the Washington offense when he's been healthy. He's also capable of the big play. Really sure hands. Can run a complete route tree. Very, very good player. Very consistent, solid player. And, you know, talking about more um, guys the 49ers could be interested in uh, specifically. I mean, it's hard to say at this point, you know, the focus is obviously on the postseason. So it'll be tough to tell what position groups they will kind of be attacking in the draft. Right now, I'd say it's, you know, offensive line, secondary, edge rusher. Those are a couple places that, you know, if I was a for, in the 49ers front office that I'd be, you know, circling in some of these games. And there are some offensive linemen, some guys that the 49ers should probably be watching this game. And one of the best offensive linemen in not only this game, but in college football is Zach Zinter from Michigan. He's unfortunately hurt and out for the game. He will not be playing, but, and he's been one of the better offensive linemen. Like I said, however, the O-line talent doesn't stop with him. Washington tackle Troy Fatuna. I hope I said his name right. 
has been awesome this season protecting Michael Penix Jr. He'll likely get a taste against, you know, Michigan star defensive tackle Chris Jenkins, which is a matchup. Obviously, Jenkins plays more interior, but it's a matchup that hopefully we'll get a glimpse at because uh, Fatano has kind of anchored one of the best offensive lines. They're more award winners at Washington, which is, you know, the award for the best offensive line in college football. Uh, they have kept pin- no pressure on Penix Jr. all season long. I mean, he's it seems like he barely gets touched time and time again, and it kind of starts with number 55, Troy Fatanu. He's definitely going to be a name to remember. Um Outside of him, looking at the secondary, I think there's two players that are ultra talented that could, um, you know, intrigue the 49ers. And that's, uh, I'm going to botch another name here, <laughs> Michigan corner Mike San Sanristil. He's number zero. Um, you know, he's going to be tested early and often by the Washington passing attack. He's likely going to be likely going to be facing three NFL caliber pass catchers with Adunze, Polk, and McMillan. He's got smooth footwork and aggressive mentality out there. He's got to be one of the keys for the Michigan defense because he's going to be tested throughout this game. Washington is going to score points. It's just going to be how much, how many big tests is Michigan going to give up. On the Washington side of the football, defensive side of the football, Jabbar Muhammad, number one. He has been an absolute stud for the Huskies this season. Very, very good through their undefeated run. A transfer from Oklahoma State. Been nearly locked down this season. Very clinical player. Sticky footwork that keeps him on the ball. It feels like he was barely tested against Texas, who has a great receiving core with A.D. Mitchell. And it seems like any time... Um, you know, they got a matchup away from him is where Quinn Ewers went. Hopefully, you know, we'll see him tested a little bit if McCarthy and, you know, John Harbaugh want to go his way. Um, lastly, a player I want to mention is Washington Edge Rusher. We've talked about him a couple times on the podcast. He's just been so good down the stretch here. You have to mention him again. I think... It depends how good he plays because he's a guy that I think could push himself up draft boards, but... Braylon Trice, number eight, he's really been breaking out here. Speed to power, a lot of physical, physical athleticism on the edge. He's a guy that I could see kind of maybe be going in that latter first round where the 49ers could be on the clock. But if he plays well, he might just play himself out of the way you know, out of position for the 49ers to potentially draft him. But another guy that you pair him on the opposite side of, of Nick Bosa, and I think you have a vicious duo as pass rushers. Trice has been awesome. And at times the Washington defense has been very, very shaky, and it kind of starts and stops with him. If he's able to get pressure on McCarthy, we saw how he responded to pressure against Alabama, and I think it kind of, uh, you know, the Washington defense is going to go where Trice takes him on Monday in Houston. And that's going to wrap it up for the draft prospects. Let's get to a prediction here. And this should come as absolutely no surprise. Obviously, like the Huskies in this one, I think the Pac-12 overall has just been criminally underrated, better than the Big Ten. You look at resume versus resume, and I think Washington has one of the best in the country. They've played so many dogs down the stretch. Michigan maybe have one of the best wins in beating Ohio State. 
but you know Washington two wins over Oregon, Utah, USC. I think you slapped a USC logo over Washington, and they're probably the favorite in this game. But because they're Washington, they're getting four and a half points, which I think is cr- crazy. I mean, I'm surprised this game's not more of like a pick 'em or even down to three. Four and a half is, um, I don't know, a little heavy in my opinion. Um, I think they just have too much offense. They're, you know, they've thrived as underdogs throughout the season. And on top of that, I think Kalen DeBoer is one of the most underrated college football coaches. I mean, it, it it's going to be a surprise if one of these big time programs don't come knocking up in Seattle soon for interviews for him because. You know, he has been a little reckless at the end of games, but ultra-aggressive, confident, uh, very stoic figure on the sideline. And I think just what, you know, he he might play a difference in this one. I think we're going to see some crazy stuff because we know Harbaugh and him love to stay aggressive. And I think, however, at the end of this, Washington wins this one. I'm going to go 37-28. That cashes the over. Washington covers. But not not only wins outright. I like the over in this one because I just think Washington Washington's offense is just too good to be slowed down, and they are rolling right now. Um, I absolutely can't wait for this one. And go dogs! Thank you for everybody for listening to a little. Man, it's just sad that college football season is wrapping up. But that does mean draft season is on the way, and you know as much as I want to talk more and more about playoff football, it does excite me to get a little draft talk in on the podcast thank you for everyone who listened this week we will be back with some more kind of draft stuff to watch gonna maybe even do some maybe we're gonna review some mock drafts that's something i've wanted to do on the podcast and then we'll also have a reaction to wild card weekend with an opponent that the 49ers will see in the divisional round um, in the meantime, hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk some ball. Got a take on the player for the NFL draft. You know, good prop bet that I need to look at. I'll always ride with my Believe in 49ers listeners. Or how about this? If you got a good wing recipe for Wild Card Wing Wednesday, Wing Weekend, we're calling it Wild Card Wing Wednesday officially here on the Believe in 49er podcast. Thank you again to everybody. We're going to do it with that. We're going to leave you with that. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online, And most importantly, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great week and have fun watching some playoff football. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.